Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Luke Schaefer. And I'm Matt Croger. And that's right. Yes, you do hear two delightful Australian accents today. Uh, welcome to another episode of Countercharge. And today we're going to be talking to Luke Schaefer, who's been lighting up the after dark atmosphere with his constant presence. Thanks for joining us today, Luke. Uh, thank you. My pleasure. Uh, now, Luke, what we usually do is we kick off with a bit of a hobby update. So before we've even learnt about you, do you want to tell us kind of what you've been up to in the hobby recently? Sure. Um, so I've been having a bit of a breather from painting after a mad rush uh, for a short period. So mostly I'm just uh, finishing off my tournament terrain crate. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I have two kinds of remnants on the painting table. Yeah, okay. And so um, so previously when you said, yeah, had a break, what were you working on then? Was it the terrain crate or something else? Uh, so yeah, that was getting the undead army ready to go for a tournament. Yeah, okay, great. So how many points do you reckon you got painted up there? Uh, currently, I'd say uh, probably about 2,600. Yeah, nice. So a little bit of choice there. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and for myself, I've actually been working on my Armada ships. For those uh, listeners that have joined us most of the year, you know, we do commitments for the year, what we want to get done, and one of those was me getting my Baselian fleet up and running. Uh, so I've... Uh, and my little uh, child labour hobbyist, which everyone likes to joke at me about now, have finished the cleaning up of the models for me, so I've been painting them and just using contrast paints on those with a bit of dry brushing to see if I can punch them out pretty quickly. So uh, that's mostly what I've been working on. Uh, so we might get into the main part of the show now, Luke, and uh, you. this is the first time you've been on Counter Charge. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and, and where you're from in Australia? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I was born and raised in New South Wales, um, down near your way, mm-hmm. uh, but I moved to Brisbane when I was a teenager, so I guess I'm more of a Queenslander now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work as a software consultant specialising in software development, uh, and I play soccer uh, pretty poorly, but with great enthusiasm. <laughs> nice. And so for those listeners, Queensland's kind of the, the northern part of Australia, northern east state uh and you're pretty close to brisbane is that right mate yeah i'm in brisbane yeah okay so brisbane being the capital city of queensland uh so always always sunny in brisbane right uh unless it's summer in which case it's wet yeah (laughs) um now tell us about your gaming origin so i'm aware that you're new to kings of war are you a are you a long-term gamer yeah so i think like many people i came from warhammer fantasy I found it as a teenager, played it on and off again for a couple of decades. Uh, started with Chaos Dwarves, then Dark Elves, Empire, Beastmen, and uh, finally Dwarves when the end times hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I did work in a game store um, for a number of years, so I've also run tournaments and campaigns in Warhammer uh, and, and played in various other tournaments as well. Um, also played Necromunda and 40k on and off at times. Uh, in terms of non-miniature 
games. Uh, I've invested heavily in some point at uh, Magic the Gathering, D&D, and various PC games. Okay, so prior, so prior to the end times, your main tabletop game was, was Warhammer? Yes. Yeah, okay. And so it's my understanding that you've only recently found Kings of War. What's been happening in that interim period for you? Uh, a lot of non-hobby, you mm-hmm. know, just uh, general life stuff. And uh, most of the people that I used to hobby with uh, have sort of more or less moved on and aren't really uh, into it anymore. So it was kind of, you know, not surrounded by people that, that are playing constantly, kind of made it take a bit of a back burner. Okay. And how did you first find out about Kings of War then? So when I was still playing Fantasy, um, I frequented the, the Bugman's Brewery Forum. Mm-hmm. Um, Kings of War had been mentioned a few times on there, but sort of we never really took it seriously until the end times hit, um, in which case I, uh, you know, started started taking a look at Kings of War, but never really dove into it in, until recently. Yeah, okay. And so, and more recently, what, what uh, bit you with the hobby bug again, and particularly for Kings of War? I think, uh, you know, I've seen it around a few times and it always looked interesting and I've sort of been following it for quite a number of years and, and always wanted to give it a try, but just, you know, had had some time on my hands, uh, I think, as we all have lately, and mm-hmm. thought, well, why am I still delaying? It was always one of those, I'll look at that soon um, sort of endeavours, but uh, with all that free time on my hands, I thought, well, well, why not? You know, it makes me happy, so let's do it. Yeah, so in some ways, COVID got you back into gaming? Yeah, eventually. Um, I think I did what everyone else did and uh, had great aspirations at the start of the <laughs> isolation period and then never really uh, did anything for a year. Mm. Yeah, okay. And and when you uh, more recently say you're aware of it, like was that back on the old forums or you saw it on Facebook recently or like a, a particularly with the community in Australia and I guess um, Queensland – um, what what made you aware of the community? So I knew there was a bit of a community because I started poking around in the Wargamer AU, uh, sorry, Wargamer AU forums a few years ago. Yep. Um, and I did actually have offers back then to, to sort of come and give um, Kings of War a try. Right. Um, never never really took it up, and then just didn't take long searching um, recently to find an active community in the mm. area. So. Yeah, isn't the death of forums interesting? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Wargamer AU for those that you know didn't know was basically if 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 it wasn't happening on there it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't miniature gaming related, right? You know everything used to happen on the forums, um, but now they've just completely died. Yeah, and we used to have a forum essentially per army for fantasy. That'd be the mm. you know Bugman's Free. There was also you know Tomb Kings one, a Chaos. The Chaos one, and now checking out those forums, they're basically dead. Even though a lot of the players have moved to Ninth Age or or Kings of War generally, or Age of Sigma, they don't tend to still active be active on those forums. I think no. everything's mostly Facebook. Yeah, and I think even the Wargamer AU ones have actually stopped being supported now. I have a feeling right. that someone's not renewed the domain or something like that, um, but I could be wrong. Okay, and what about on Countercharge? How did you first come across us? Um, I think a few years ago, I was uh, searching for podcasts for Kings of War because I had previously listened to a few uh, Warhammer podcasts, mm. and I really enjoyed those just on the commute or 
while out mowing the lawn, um, as we do in Queensland every week. <laughs> uh, and I found Countercharge way back then. Um, mm-hmm. uh, everyone talking about this Rob Fanouf guy who I had no idea who he was, but apparently he was <laughs> held in high regard. Uh, I, I still don't know who he is, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I started listening to it way back then. Um, I think second edition had just dropped and I was listening, but, um, you know, had aspirations to convert my dwarf army over, but sort of, again, fell by the wayside and didn't pick it up until recently. Yep. And uh, as I mentioned in the start, you've been uh, pretty keen to jump on in After Dark on the Discord channel. Uh, so for anyone that doesn't know, you can check the show notes for the Discord link or you can check the Facebook group, our Countercharge Facebook group for the Discord link. Uh, what, what brought you on to After Dark? I think I didn't really know anyone locally that played yet um, when I was sort of starting to get my army painted up and ready to play games. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a big fan on playing up, um, showing up with grey plastic to play, so I really wanted to get you know, a decent headway into my army before asking around the area for games. Um, so, yeah, I heard about After Dark mentioned on the podcast a few times, um, so I thought, well, maybe I'll you know, connect with some people on there. So I jumped onto Discord and never looked back. Yeah, it's just a shame you had to meet Austin Casey on there, I guess. Uh... <laughs> I think I think the first time I ever went on there, he came up on the webcam shirtless. Um, <laughs> just a frequent occurrence. Well, you know, at least it wasn't his one-eyed monster. No, no. Not not yet. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, I think it'd be good to get some more Aussies on there because obviously it's not the most convenient time for us. Us with our US cousins seems to be about early afternoon for us is is the convenient time. But I'd, I'd like to see some more action happening on there at night. I think that'd be good. Yeah, well, we do have another um, Aussie that jumps on there now a fair bit, Adam, um, yep. who who sometimes jumps on his, his and, and my PM to, to have a chat, and some, mm. that's that's the American guys' morning. Mm. So sometimes they jump on while they're driving to work, or you know, wandering around the warehouse. They'll jump on and have a chat with us. Um, yeah, and, it's, and and for those you know interested, it's not it's not all hobby related, is it? You know, it's just a bit of a shoot the breeze as well. Yeah, most of the discussion it's not actually hobby focused, um, and some, sometimes I'll be list building while while we're on the call, and I'll have to interrupt the random conversations to ask about my list that I'm building. Yeah, I think it's just it's it's nice having kind of a group of guys, even if you're not talking hobby, that you know there's a shared interest there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's always always entertaining. Mm. So having been a previous Warhammer Fantasy gamer, Luke, and uh, now moving on to Kings of War, what are, you, what are you most liking about it? To be honest, I think I'm pretty typical um, in, in what I like about it. You know, I like how streamlined it is. Uh, how easy it is to learn but difficult to master, and obviously the ranks and flanks aspect of the game is, uh, is a big draw card for me. Mm. Have you had the opportunity to have many t- games on the tabletop yet? Yeah, so I've run um, run my kids through a, fr- a bunch of games as I was sort of getting ready to mm-hmm. get out into the community, and then and then a friend of mine, um, and then uh, caught up with uh, Adam that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Story, Brisbane, yep. Team Queensland, and uh, and he ran me through my first hiding. Um, in preparation <laughs> for the tournament. Yep. Yeah, he's a he's a solid player, Adam. Yeah, yeah, he solidly uh, uh, beat me on about turn four. <laughs> yeah, right. So that uh, obviously didn't scare you off, though, Luke. 
No, no, I, I was, I didn't really want anyone to, you know, try to go easy on me or anything. You know, have being into these kinds of games for quite a number of years, I think it's just better to learn trial by fire. And you know, the more dirty tricks that someone pulls against you, the more you learn, and the more you can use that against someone else. I totally agree. I think my second game of Kings of War was in a tournament, and so that yep. made my, you know, it was my second, third, and fourth, maybe fifth. Um, so I, I, I've always found the same, you know, jump in there, make mistakes, best way to learn. Yeah, well, if you don't count the, the games where I was basically demoing it to other people, um, mm. then my second, third, and fourth, and fifth games were in a tournament. Yeah, great. What about things you don't like about Kings? Uh, there's not really anything I dislike. I'd like to see a bit more depth of flavor, though. You know, Warhammer... For example, has a lot of a lot of depth to it uh, that does come with a lot of complexity. Uh, I do understand it's a tough balance um, to, to get. You know, we don't want purple suns rolling around the battlefield, um, but a sprinkling of flavour, some rules would be nice. Um, just just nothing necessarily broken, but I think there's some things, particularly in the spell department, um, that could be you know added to sort of just change up the flavour a bit. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's a that's common feedback as well, right? So is that the kind of thing that you would miss most? For, were you much into the the fluff side of old Warhammer, or I did like it. Well, do like it, I suppose. Um, it's a nice, you know, deep, rounded uh, setting. Uh, the the books I read, some of them, I you know, they're fun. I enjoyed them, um, but I think maybe the difference is I, I i got it you know i understood it um the the distinctions between the countries um and races made sense and i just sort of knew how it all worked if that makes sense but kings are fine but the fluff although they are building it out and deepening it i still find it's just this sort of almost homogenous you know lump to me yeah that's interesting that's a really good point because i wasn't someone that was in warhammer for long, but like that map in that world really just, it did seem to click really easily, didn't it? I, I know I know exactly what you're saying there, and I've never thought about that before. Yeah, the map and, and just, uh, I mean, the setting like screams at you through that map. Mm. It's, it's hard to put it into words, I guess, but um, yeah, you just, you know, it always just felt like a nice, deep, well well-established world. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder that. I, I haven't heard that described before, but yeah, I, I totally get what you're talking about, and I'm sure we won't be the only ones. Because um, for me, someone, I wasn't overly bought into the law, but like just reading through the rule book once and looking at the map, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's where all yeah. that is. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was because it was quite defined areas. Um, you know, things like the Wood Elves, they had their little tiny forest in the, you know, in in on that part of the map, and. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I don't know if, if Mantic's listening, maybe that map depth is something that they can look of as a bit of a conversion for their fluff. Yeah, I mean, it did have the benefit of being modelled off our world, um, and then the, the the races were placed in a way that made sense to our world, you know, the, the jungles of Lustria um, being where they were, and the, the high elves out where you would imagine that um, Atlantis would possibly be. Um you know, that sort of stuff kind of, it's hard to emulate in yet another setting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's a that's a really good point. And, you know, I'm sure they don't want to be in the, 
you know, they get accused of times of, you know, working off other things that have belonged to other people but and i'm sure they wouldn't really want to do that you know they're working towards their their own flavor but it probably does make that you know that pollination of the fluff a little bit harder i guess yeah of course it's all understandable things it's just Mm. you know i guess time will tell and we'll watch the space and see Mm. to you when you were looking getting back into gaming were there were there other options besides kings of war and if there were um what did Kings have that other systems may not have? Yeah, I still do have some 40k miniatures that I hung on to. Um, when I did a bit clear out, I kept my dwarves um, and and um, some marines. Um, and then having those dwarves is what got me back into Warhammer just before the end times as well. So I did look again at 40k, but it, it's just generally unappealing to me now. Um, you know, the model price but also the rules and, and the culture around it I'm just not interested um, so I think you know like I said Kings has the ranks and flanks and that's very hard to find these these days in a fantasy setting there's plenty of options um, in, in you know historical style war games um, but you know in a fantasy you know rank and flank blocks of troops on the battlefield marching forward is is what drew me to Warhammer in the first place and it's what drew me to Kings of War and I don't think that there's any other real um, you know option in that space No Do you like the creative aspect to it? Are you an individual baser or have you got into the whole multi-base thing? Like how, how much does that play into your your like of the game? Does it play into it at all or? Yeah absolutely multi-basing all the way um, you know the days of the days of pushing around Unit, uh, you know, movement trays of individual models is over for me. Um, mm. Just, just about to embark upon rebasing all of my uh, Warhammer dwarfs to be Kings of War, uh, which I didn't think I was going to do. I thought I would keep them as a, you know, separate based army, but I just love the, um, you know, multi-basing so much that it's time. Yeah, good mate. We, uh, we need more dwarf players. The noble race, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, you're not a true dwarf player then. <laughs> oh, I just, uh, you know what? I never wanted to play them in Kings because I think I, you know, my soul was so crushed by playing them in, in fantasy, you know, mm. just slow plotting three inch movement guys across the battlefield. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Mm. Never again. Um, the only way to play them back then was to play a gun line with lots of war machines, but every tournament would comp that out yeah. and make it unviable. So you just lose. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the speeds, I guess, still a bit of an issue in Kings, but I think given the scenarios, I don't think it's as big a deal as what it was in Warhammer. Yeah, and you've got the rocks and rocks. So I currently have Earth Elementals on the way, um, and I have um, a few units of uh, Walrus Riders um, to to make <laughs> some some rocks, and uh, that'll, that'll actually round out quite a well-balanced dwarf list for Kings, I think. Yeah, nice. What are you thinking of um, Mantic's direction with their models? As a as a person who's reasonably recently come into Kings, and it sounds like you're kind of delving into some other creators there with Warus models. What are you generally thinking of what Mantic's putting out? Um, yeah, I think I think what they're doing more recently is fantastic. I do like a lot of their older models still. Um, I actually like a lot of their old undead models, um, like the Rats and. and uh, both varieties. Um, I do like that I can 
actually use different mantic models that I prefer for a particular role. So I have um, the Paladin Guard as um, Soul Reaver Infantry. Um, so I, I really like that that option as well. I think it's good that their models are improving. Um, they feel a lot, you know, less generic, um, which is great. Like it, they they feel like they've got that mantic spin on them, and uh, and I think the quality is increasing and, and getting better, which is which is only good for the hobby, right? Like we we need people to be buying mantic models. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're only going to go so far selling books, right? Yes. Or yeah, or e-books even. Yeah, so the foundation of most of my armies that I either have or am building or intend to have, um, the dwarves aside, because they're a conversion. But, um, you know, the rest, I do want to have the core, at least, of the army being Mantic, uh, because I yep. feel like should be supporting them wherever we can. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you're right about the undead. I, I really like the undead range. Um, probably at least half of my undead army, uh, which was my first king's army, is Mantic. I, you know, I think their skeletons are great. The zombies are great. Um, I think. Did you say the whites? The whites are awesome, even though they're uh, metal. Yeah, but that's, I don't. I don't. Ha- I don't have their, okay. their whites because of that exact reason. Um, yeah, I don't want the army to weigh ten kilograms. They are. I hefty. actually bought Reaper. Um, Barrow Wardens mm-hmm. and painted them up, you know, all, all ethereal with uh, mist around their feet. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Like, I've got, as listeners will know, I've got a significant amount of Dragon Empire models that are all their resin cast ones. And uh, once I'm finished with that, I don't think I'll do a non Mantic army again. Uh, well, or non majority Mantic army, obviously. They don't have their all their lines fleshed out because I think. You know, it's just it's time for me to keep putting my money where my mouth is, you know, and and start supporting them. And with uh, at least one new army coming out of some pretty cool models, then oh, there's two actually that have been released, and then uh, a hint at something else. Uh, I think, you know, it's a good time. You know, I really like the look of their new salamander stuff. Yeah, they they look really nice. Um, and I think I think one of the things they have got going for them is most of the mega armies. They're a solid force, you know, like a lot mm. of other game systems when you buy the starter armies. It's not something that's going to be a strong army. You, no. you have to go off and, you know, buy a bunch of other models. I think in Kings, for the most part, if you bought two mega armies or a mega army and an elite army, that would actually, you know, build a reasonably solid force. Like they've got actual good composition. Yeah, in their, in their starter boxes, so so that's fantastic. Yeah, and I think if you look through the rules too, the other thing that they don't do, um, which you wouldn't hold it against them if it was slight and then got comped a bit a little bit, is there's there's no real power creep in model releases, right? Occasionally, there's been a little bit of something that seems a little bit overpowered on release, but then it's brought back in the next Clash of Kings. You probably haven't seen enough of those to to know it too well, Luke. But you know, it's in the games you've had, you'll see that you know there's not. I mean, the thing in Warhammer, it was perennial, perennially dark elves getting better and better, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. You know, but uh, we we don't really have that in this game, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, well, I did notice pretty immediately that Easy Army has, you know, uh, Revenant Cavalry for more expensive than my book shows. Um, yep. So, that's, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely reigning in of that, uh, of that power, that's for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing. I think there are we will we'll see a lot more changes in this upcoming Clash of Kings. I think my the, my understanding is that we're probably going to see one of the biggest ones ever. So we're looking at a after missing a year of third edition because of COVID. I think we're looking at a big rebalance soon. So I think that's going to bring in a fair bit of change, which will be interesting. And you never know, Luke, maybe some of that extra flavour that you've been looking for. Fingers crossed. Mm. So have you dabbled in any other Mantic games, mate? Uh, no, I haven't, but I thought I wouldn't. But I'm getting more and more intrigued the more I hear about and see of Dead Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that whole grid-based concept is is quite uh, intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, and Firefight, I, I saw the video um, posted about you know a quick overview of the rules that are in the making at the moment, and for a you know a squad-based um, futuristic game, I think it seems very well thought out and considered. Mm-hmm. So I think I might uh, try and find some players when that drops and see if I can get some games in. Yeah, okay, so you um, you kind of spread your time a little bit. I mean, you mentioned 40k, um, but you spread your time a little bit between sci-fi and, sci-fi and, um, and fantasy settings. Yeah, I, I'm generally fantasy um, and have been for Many many years, I've you know sort of more dabbled a bit in in the sci-fi stuff. Um, it's just nice to you know do something a bit different every now and again. In particular, the you know the terrain options for uh, for sci-fi versus fantasy is a whole new world and and a whole whole sort of range of different techniques and and things that you can play with. Yep. Yeah, we've got a few players locally that play Dead Zone. I think their biggest issue for them is kind of been finding enough players, but as a kind of a enjoyable beers and pretzels games, like they rave about Dead Zone. You know, not as a not necessarily as a competitive game, but just to just to pick up and play, they they love it. Yeah, so more like Necromunda style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like good fun. I mean, the, the, for me, sci-fi's never been my jam, so I've never kind of really got into it. Um, but it, but it looks, you know, and, and quite different to King. So I think a good way to change it up. I'm not quite sure on fire, firefight. I've never really looked at that at all. Yeah. yeah. It's meant to be like that middle ground between dead zone and, uh, warpath. Yeah. And, uh, you mentioned you were getting ready for a tournament you had that game with Adam leading up. Did you actually make it to the tournament? Yeah. So that was round one of the store show down in Brisbane, uh, mm-hmm. run by a nice bloke named Neil from Team Queensland here. Yep, Neil Barton, yep. I think, who is Australia's only Pathfinder. I think I might be correct in saying that. Well, there you go. Good on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and how, how'd that go? How many did you get to the day? That was great. It was only small. Um, I think we had 10 players. There were meant mm-hmm. to be a few more, but I think there were some late cancellations. This one's really, it's, it is meant to be a small um, series of tournaments. Um mm-hmm showcasing some of the different stores that we have in Brisbane. Um, and, in fact, that one was such a great success with the store um, that we ran it at who who had never really come across Kings of War. They are, on the 1st of August, running their own in-house tournament. Great. Oh, that's a really so, good outcome. That's fantastic. Yep. And is that would that be a store that um, the guys tend to congregate at or not really? It was the first time there. I think it might have been the first time for most of them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they sell Kings of War currently. Mm-hmm. In fact, they had to borrow my rule book for a while to read through it to figure out what, <laughs> what it was all about. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully in the future, that would be a, a great place to 
sort of you know have as a home base um, if they decide to to go further into Kings of War. So we're definitely all out to support them with their first tournament and uh, and show up and get the numbers there. Oh, that's and that's a great sign. Like is um, you know tournament first, and you never know, maybe stocking Mantic product second. Yeah, or at least you know mail order and uh, drop into the store, pick it up, pick up some paints and some hobby gear or. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's been a hard thing in Australia getting stores to stock product. I mean, I know that's a worldwide thing um, because of presence, but I think particularly over COVID, product's been hard to get across the sea. Um, and so, like, there's been a couple of more online retailers, but it'd be great to see some local stores getting product and having the players support it there. And so you signed up for that next tournament? Uh, I have expressed interest but haven't... Uh dropped the uh the, <laughs> the ticket purchase yet okay. um just uh waiting to see that i can absolutely get there yep. um, before i pull the trigger absolutely and uh how'd you go in that first tournament what was it three games four games four games day. at how many yeah. points uh at 2300 so it's oh, very right. tight timelines yeah yeah uh, that's a that's a big day yeah but only one of my games um didn't didn't get to finish okay um, so that was yep. good and you took the undead to that I did. Yeah, okay. And uh, how did you finish at the end of the tournament? Did you get any wins under your belt? Yeah, so I, I went in. My only goal was to win a game, which I did. Um, and I think I went fairly well um, against the rest, um, so I was very pleased with that. Um, great great bunch of people. Um, super enthused about the, the, the guys here. Um, uh, one game as well against Ed. I think he was... He was uh, Low um, low percentage chance to um, take off my soul reavers, which he did. Um, which you know, if, if he'd failed that, I probably would have won the game. And then in my last turn, I was one inch of movement to away from drawing, and maybe a couple of wounds away from winning. So, um, so you know, he's a great player. So to come that close um, was was also um, felt like a great achievement. Was that uh, Eddie Compton or Eddie Hammercheck? Uh, older or younger? Older. <laughs> Sorry? Older. Older, yeah. Ed Hammercheck. Okay. Yes. Great bloke. Yes. Great bloke. Um, okay. All right. And so, yeah, took the undead for a run. Did you have any Do you have any top performers for the for the whole day? Uh, I think the... Uh, yeah, I mean, Soul Reavers. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> No, no real surprise there. Um, the only chaff I ran were soul, uh, were sorry, the um, Revenant Cavalry um, troops, and they did exactly what I wanted them to do every time I put them somewhere. Um, that fearless chaff, um, being a bit expensive, uh, you know, is uh, hurts things a little bit, but um, fearless chaff is just uh, fantastic in, in yeah, my yeah. books. It's resilient, isn't it? Particularly if your idea yeah. of chaff is. Um, not necessarily dying. You know, I think people have different different approaches to chaff. Some people believe chaff, you know, should go out there and take a charge and basically just die. But when it's fearless, it gives you that option of actually creating a roadblock as well, doesn't it? Yeah, or, you know, making sure you get that double charge off because they can't be wavered. Yeah. Um, very strong. Um, also, the vampire, uh, mounted vampire with uh, Boots of the Seven Leagues. Um, mm-hmm. was- oh, yeah. It caused some consternation in a couple of points mm-hmm. uh, with his, you know, scouting uh, movement uh, pre-turn one. 
Yep, yep. That's and an expensive he, character. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's no Alona. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it gets a bit pricey, but I just wanted to have fun with it. You know, we call it the, the cruise missile. Um, and he just runs up the board because he's, you know, duelist as well. So yeah. you can really yeah, that's get cool. into his face. Yeah, I like things like that that you don't see often on the table. It's nice to pull it out and see if people know how to deal with it. Yeah, and I thought since I had no expectations of winning, um, I may as well have fun with it and just see yeah. how it plays. I think it sounds like you did pretty well. The T- Queensland crew, while a while a likable crowd, are a very tough crew. You know, I think from what I saw of that day, there'd be three or four of those blokes, you know, that would uh, easily top ten players in the country, you know, or or a chance of being. So, I think that's not bad to pull out a pull out a win in a couple of close ones. Yeah, yeah I was pleased with it. Yeah. Um, Right, and so I think you've already you've been through so undead and dwarves basically your current factions. Do you have plans for following that? Yeah, so I'm rounding out the dwarves. Um, uh, I guess as we speak, uh, I've had plans to start Northern Alliance. I've picked up some ready to go, um, and that was going to be my next faction that I would hopefully get ready for CanCon. Mm-hmm because I do have plans to come down in January. Yes. Um, you know, uh, pandemics permitting. Yeah, pandemic permitting, absolutely, yep. Uh, I accidentally just uh, bought into the League of Rodia, um, <laughs> thanks to <laughs> people that wouldn't talk me out of it. Yep. Um, there was that big sale of the halflings. Oh, uh, from Westphalia? Yeah, that dropped yeah. recently, and I thought, actually, that, uh, you know, given that a bunch of them can be made as into pikes, um, yep. that can be the pike from League. Um, yep. That actually forms a nice core of a League of Rodia army, and then I've only got a couple of units left to fulfil after buying a, you know, TT Combat order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we, so I've got two shipments on the way um, that really just, you know, cement my shame. Yeah, yeah. So you just you slipped on the keyboard and they got purchased. Yeah, I tripped and fell and found myself with an army. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how have you found the community overall? So I guess, one, the local community, but two, the international community you've been interacting with. Yeah, look, uh, amazing. So I say that without trying to jerk anyone's chain. Mm. Um, everyone I've met, you know, both online, in person, have been really, really nice, just stand-up people. So, uh, you know, everyone's willing to share knowledge. Um, they're patient with you know, someone that's still getting used to playing out the rules on the table. So, um, yeah, it's just been fantastic. Um, you know, I've met a lot of great people in the hobby over the years. Um, but I guess as a collective, there's, I've never come into a new hobby um, with sort of the quality of people that Kings has. Yeah, that's great to hear, mate. Would you have any uh, recommendations for a new Kings player of, you know, what they should look out for or, you know, what they should get into as a new player to, to help them along. Uh, yeah, got any got any thoughts there? Yeah, I think, you know, it's pretty common rhetoric now that any army is competitive. So you just look at the forces that, that really grab you and draw you in. Don't worry about how they play out on the table or whether they've got this or that thing, just sort of look at the forces, maybe read the fluff if you care about that, and just just pick whichever one you like the most, um, because you're going to have to paint several hundred miniatures, so mm-hmm. you've got to really sort of like the feel of the army that you're building. Um, and then probably just pick up a mega army, because like I said before, they they tend to be quite balanced and quite rounded, 
uh, in what they give you. So that's a great place to start. And pretty good value most of the time too. They are. I've looked at some of the uh, mega armies before as a option to start an army, and I thought, well, I actually only want half of these things. Mm. But then you look at the value that you get um, by buying into the mega army versus you know buying those components individually, and you may as well buy the mega army, and then you've got those extra options. Um, even if you don't want to use them immediately. Yeah, I think compared to other companies, you re- you really do get a you really do get a pretty reasonable discount for buying it in the Mega Army box. Yeah, for sure. And having those options is always great because you never know when you might decide to use them. For example, you know, um, uh, ghouls was something I thought I'd never want to run, hmm. but now looking at them as as troops for chaff um, to sort of deliver um, soul reaver infantry. And, you know, they fit that role really, really well. So now my silly ass that didn't buy ghouls has to go out and <laughs> track something down. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Uh, like you say, it, you pick what you like because and pretty much, and within most armies, if you want to, if there's something you want to run, you'll, you can figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. Even if it's a revenant king on burrowing worm, you can still probably find a way to make it work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, if it's completely unplayable, which is very few units in the game, you know, hopefully it changes in 12 months' time if enough people say it's unplayable during a Clash of Kings update. Yeah, um, they, they seem to do well at, at, you know, rebalancing those, like you said before. But even then, something that's subpar isn't usually bad. There's very few uh, units or, or models in the game that are actively bad mm-hmm. um, for their its cost, so... I guess everything's situational. Yep. And what what resources have you found useful as a new player to to help, I guess, keep motivation going, but also finding out about kings? Uh, well, After Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been fantastic. I am also on the uh, Mantic Fans Discord. Okay. Not really as active on that one, um, but they have channels for all of the Mantic games. Okay. Uh, generally some chat going on in each of those mostly new players um, and there'll be people there willing to answer questions if you want to jump on um, there's the fanatics facebook group that we mm-hmm. all know and love <laughs> yep so i get a lot of inspiration from a lot of the army posts that people make there so that's mm. quite good yeah good and I, I, I certainly think fanatics has become a a bit better it used to be a bit of a flame war at times i mean still really nothing compared to other systems from what i've seen and heard Um, but i think in the vast majority of the time the vast majority of the time it's a pretty positive place now would you agree yeah absolutely i mean i think we might have dodged a bullet yesterday um (laughs) but it, it tends to be yeah a fairly positive place um also if anyone's into twitch um I've found there's a lot of miniature painters on Twitch. Um, you got any favourites? I I do. Yep. Um, so there's an Australian, Two Dorks, One Brush. Um, I'll give him a bit of a shout-out. Uh, he's down in Canberra. Uh, he paints mini- uh, like Weimar miniatures usually, um, not, not Kings of War, but we do chat Kings of War. Um, he does fantastic paint jobs. It might take him three weeks to to uh, get a model finished, but um, they're, they're gorgeous paint jobs. Um, I also met on, on that stream someone who ended up being on the um, Slow Grow League podcast um, along with Austin uh, when um, interviewed by Rob. He, he actually 
is in that stream. Um, so, so that streamer actually connected us, and now he comes onto After Dark as well, and we chat. So that's, is that, that's really cool. Is that Taylor? Yes. Yeah. Taylor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mango Smasher. Uh, Mango is a painting streamer that has, I'm going to say, 10,000 points of Northern Alliance. Right, yeah. Um, so definitely check them out. Um, and uh, Warlander TV is another one, uh, friends with Mango Smasher, that... Uh, that does a bit of Kings of War stuff. Okay, great. Yeah, I don't think we've really talked Twitch on the show before, so I think that's some good new resources for people that are that that may be interested. And um, yeah, great. And are you a, are you a member of the Counter Charge Facebook group as well? Uh, I'm actually not sure. Luke. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, for, so for those interested, we do have a separate group for Countercharge 2, which has about a thousand members. So that's also a pretty good hobby place for, for those that are interested. Yeah, right. Uh, that dog will hunt. Yeah. So do you, I, I think we might leave it there, mate. We'll keep it a short, sharp episode. Do you, do you have any shout outs that you, that you want to give? Oh, I do have a few, if that's okay. Of course. Uh, first, Big shout-out to the After Dark crew. Uh, there are too many to name, um, but in particular, Austin, Felix, and Dan, um, you know, teaching me those southernisms uh, and just, just being generally all-round good people to chat with. Um, second, uh, all the Team Queensland fellas, uh, in particular, Neil Barton, um, who we've talked about before. Um, yep. They all made me feel very, very welcome. And uh, and also Adam Story in particular uh, for giving my f- proper first ass whooping mm. and encouraging my poor spending habits. Mm. At least he smiles when he's whooping your ass, right? Yeah, yep, yep. It's always nice to be beaten by someone uh, who's uh, friendly at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're part of a really good community up there, mate. And I'm hopefully with like you getting into it too with some more new gamers and, you know, we can get the word out a little bit more. Cause I think we're in a good place for growth in with Kings of War with Australia. Once we, you know, get out of various peaks of lockdowns, um, you know, I think our overseas friends would find it fairly amusing, uh, you know, how many cases we locked down for, but it's, it's kept us safe and healthy. So that's what we can't ask for anything more, right? Uh, that's right, and things are ticking over. Generally, pretty unfazed, even even now with uh, latest outbreaks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so I've got a couple of shout-outs. The first one is for Convict, which is our Victorian two-dayer, which, uh, due to recent lockdowns, had to be moved. So it will now be run on the August on August 14th and 15th at Burden Parks Bowling Club. So that's the typical escalating format over two days. Uh, I will hope to, now that it's moved, I will hopefully be going to that down in Melbourne, uh, pandemic pending. Uh, and also I have now released the rules pack and the ticket sales for Clash of Kings Australia 2022 in January. So you can go to cowaustralia.com for all the details on that. Uh, and you can start purchasing tickets now, which are originally uh, currently limited at 70 places. We're off-site for the convention. I wanted to make sure everyone was comfortable as well as safe, so we won't actually be going on-site, but we're only a kilometre and a half away. So with the e-scooters available or cars, there's still plenty of chance to... We'll have a two-hour break on day one where people can go and see the convention if they wish uh, so hopefully plenty of people will still come to that um, it was a great this year even even with the pandemic uh, 
easing off. So hopefully it will be. And hopefully we'll get to see you in the flesh, Luke. Yeah, hopefully uh, that'd be awesome if we can make it. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, my uh, my bar tabs are a thing of beauty to behold. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold you to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've started saving. The boys did a good job on it last year when we were limited numbers. So uh, boys and girls, I should say, because we do have a number of uh, female gamers, which is which is awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll see how we go this year. I'm I'm already uh, I'm already putting money away. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, we might leave it there. Luke, as our guest, would you like to take us out? That's going to do us for tonight. And and until next time, keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.